Welcome to that Steppin' Weird. Tonight we have a very fun episode. Clark is going to head it all off. It's going to be Collapse of the Bronze Age. We have a whole bunch of guests tonight. We have the nightclub yet again. Their uh, links will be in the, uh, the show notes, so check them out. It's an amazing podcast, really fun people. They do deep dives on horror movies and a lot more, so check them out. But Clark, uh, everybody can introduce themselves, and then Clark's just going to take it away. Uh, nightclub podcast. I'm Travis Maxwell Boone. Um, we, we were on here recently and fucking love being back. We've also got from the nightclub. Mr. GHZ, Grindhouse Zombie, who was on here before. Hello, uh, hello, hello, hello. Yes, I'm happy to come here. Happy to finally be on a podcast where we can talk like intelligent people. It's such a breath of fresh air for the nightclub. <laughs> <laughs> and we and speaking also have of intelligent people, we also have me. I'm Ricky. Oh, that was I'm so smooth. Part of the night, I'm part of the nightclub podcast. I make it good. Well, yep, for the most yep, part, oh, yeah. I make it good. 100% do, baby. <laughs> well, this is my Ricky. first time on the show, and I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah, Ricky is our visual effects expert. He can he can fake vomiting and diarrhea like nobody. It is beautiful. <laughs> it's so it's so real. It's fake. Yeah. Right. It's amazing. <laughs> and we Check, also be, have tonight be, with be us. Looking out, be looking out for my mixtape. It's uh, it's oh. Stephen Kingpin's NY Rick. You'll you'll love it. Trust me. <laughs> you might not get it. Your kids will love it. Beans and Lily, you you guys are up to introduce yourselves. Oh hi! Yes, and I'm Lily, of course. <laughs> Back at it again with another banger. <laughs> oh yeah. And I am just. A humble bean. You can call me Staff. It's nice to meet you guys. Staff Beans, who's also part of the fucking nightclub Discord, jumping around from the DBS Discord. Hell yeah. So wanna represent that Beans. Beans been up in there. Um we're all we're all glad to be here, I think. Yeah. I'm, I'm speaking for a few people, but uh yeah, it that's effing weird is is dope as fuck. And thank y'all for having us back. Ah, anytime. Um Thank and... you for being here. And uh, Clark, it's it, the the floor is yours, sir. I would like to say welcome again to the nightclub. And today we're talking about the collapse of the Bronze Age, but I didn't want to get like dry and into all the weeds of like names and dates and all this kind of stuff. You know, we're gonna have dates and names, but I don't want to like just do a historical thing. So because your niche is movies. I'm going to pitch this to you as a movie script, something I want to sell. Hmm. I feel like this will okay. be best to actually describe this. And if I were to title The Collapse of the Bronze Age, I would title it as Greek Mythology, An Angry Mountain, and the Bible. And that's what we're mm -hmm. going to do tonight. So I guess we should just start with what is the Bronze Age? Uh, you guys have already kind of joked about it. And we've talked about it. We know how bronze is made. It's copper and tin. Who smelted it first? We don't know. Uh, we do know that the Greeks and the Chinese were probably the first people to figure it out. Uh, and it's about 3,300 to 3,000 BCE. So that's where we're starting. But our story is going to start at 1,700 BCE. So this is basically the height of... Uh, the three biggest empires in the world at the time. We have the Assyrians, we have the Hittites, 
we have the Egyptians. Obviously, the Egyptians need no introduction. At this point, they're in the Middle Kingdom. They're kind of in their renaissance. So this is uh, not pyramid-building Egypt, but this is like the big temples and like a lot of the ornate statues and things like that. Ramses II, that era of, uh, of Egypt. Hittites, a lot of people don't really know about them. Um, they're kind of a uh, conglomeration of city-states in what is now modern-day Turkey, Syria, and Jordan. So they kind of have that whole area. You might want to pull up Google Map if you want to see where this area is. Uh, Egypt at this point, their empire goes up to what is modern-day Israel and Lebanon. So that's where they're bordering. That's kind of the uh, these two empires are kind of vying over this area. And uh, Egypt being over modern or what's Canaan, which is modern-day Israel, is going to come back. It's going to be very important. So keep that in mind. Uh the third empire is Assyria, and Assyria is not really going to play a big part in this because they're in the interior, and they are uh, in modern-day Iraq, and they are kind of safe from everything that's about to happen. Uh, so the collapse of the Bronze Age, there's a lot of unanswered questions, and historians are still debating over it to this day, but it's basically a 400-year period where everything goes to shit. So... Basically, they have, have no empires. They have trade routes. They're wealthy. Agriculture is amazing. Like, there's surplus of food. Uh, you know, everything is going swimmingly. And then in a 350 to 400 year period, everything absolutely goes to hell. You had a they question? Ha- well, they have, they have from, from what I'm like reading now, because um, I'm not learned about this, they had, and it, it echoes what we have today. Um, based on if you pay attention to the news or mainstream media, whatever, natural natural catastrophes, climate change, internal rebellions, um, invasions, disruption of trade relations, and systematic collapse. So sounds like a lot of shit we're dealing with now. Absolutely. This is a lesson to be learned. This is a mini-apocalypse. I mean, Mm -hmm. so this is definitely... It's easy for us to look back in 20th century problems and see World War One, World War Two, Cold War, things like that. It's easy us first like to look back at that and be like, "Oh wow, that was you know shitty." We have we have evidence of it. We have video of it. We have pictures. We have things like that. You look back to an age like this where the documents are sparse at best, and you have to kind of piece together what the hell happened. But it's the same problems that you see civilizations facing all the way up till today. So same thing Rome faced, same thing. I mean, any any civiliza- any great civilization that has fallen, you're going to see the same things happen. And this is a very, like, foreboding tale of the class of the Bronze Age. And I think it's just, uh, I think it's interesting that we just have so many questions and we want to fill in the gaps. But ultimately, the lesson is, we should probably pay attention because the same things can happen to us at any given time. Seems to be the case. Like uh, nowadays, with, with with the similarities being fucking again natural catastrophes. Um, this one calls for earthquakes. At least the article that I'm reading, uh, we we have those going on to a degree, and the climate change thing that gives me. That makes me take pause because 
I know what's going on currently in our current political spectrum where they have this bill that they're wanting to pass where the, um, I believe it's the World Economic Forum or maybe it's the World Health Organization, the WHO, can control certain vectors, certain areas, whatever you want to call them, and decide what a climate change catastrophe is. Mm -hmm. Internal rebellions, I mean, we're seeing that right now in the U.S., at least as far as, like, the left and right war is going on, where people are so, like, they're, they're ready so to dumb. fucking... They're, well, they're, <laughs> they're dumb, but they're ready to fight for their side. Like, they're ready to, like, at all, no holds barred, whatever the cost may be, I'm going to stay steadfast to my side and let that fucking happen. Invasions, We right now we're dealing with, um, I say we, but our economy is paying for it, I guess, but I don't know the ins and outs. I, I stay on the peripheral of all this, but we have the Ukraine invasion from Russia, um, disruption of trade. I'm hitting all the points. I mean, that's happening left and right, I think. Um for the United States. And again, I don't stay up to date on all this. I'm just speculating. So those are my five points I'm speculating on and why that relates to Bronze Age. So, uh, and I'll shut the fuck up now. No, no. These are things you should pay attention to because, like I said, they, uh, all of them, it, it, this is a tale that literally will show you how one thing can topple all of the dominoes. And, like, things can go south really quick. So, uh, we're going to start, like I said, at about 1700 BC. Right now, we're at the height of everything. Egypt is swimming. The Hittites are swimming. Fucking everybody is doing good. The Greeks are still kind of, like, doing their thing as a uh, semi, you know, confederation of city-states and things like that. And then... One of the big moments here is that in 1700, between 1700 and 1650 BC, we know that the Israelites start migrating into Egypt. So this is the biblical story of Joseph. Um, this is going to be important, <laughs> obviously. Uh, so different records say different things. Some say, you know, Egypt, like Egyptian records say that they took 120,000 people from Canaan. Now, now, they did have Canaan as a vassal state, like, is at this point. This was the end of their border, of their empire. They said they took 120,000 as prisoner. Seems like a, an excessive number, honestly, for that time. And then what we do know is that a lot of them immigrated into Egypt because of the fertile soil and the abundance of food. This is going to be extremely important. Uh... Also, at this time, like I said, the Hittites have kind of consolidated all of their power. They've they've always had internal struggles to keep their 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 kind of empire together, but now they've kind of consolidated all of what is now modern day Turkey, Anatolia, all the way down to Jordan, Syria. So the the empires are set basically, and everybody's rich at this point, and it's good. So now we can fast forward about three hundred and fifty years. And this is where everything goes to hell. We're going to start with the island of Thera in the Aegean Sea. Uh, has a volcano on it called Santorini. 
and Santorini decides to blow its top in fantastic fashion. When it blows up, is it like, I ain't got no Santeria, I ain't got no crystal ball, <laughs> no Santorini. <laughs> so yeah, it, it, and it basically the first, uh, the first wealthy nation that's self-sufficient that bites the dust here is the Minoans. So if you know your Greek mythology, you know the Minotaur, things like that. This, these are the Minoans. They basically become non-existent after this. This eruption, they get a buffet of natural disasters. They get tsunami, they get earthquakes, they get ash clouds, they get they get all of Santorini, basically. They get all of the hell. And the Minoans are pretty much off the historical record after this. So Interesting. They're done. So they're the first ones to pretty much pretty much fall. Interesting though how you have people that are in what you could almost describe as a paradise, right? Um and if you look at modern day now you look at say our various coastlines things like that where we've got people that have enormous wealth and that have collected in a certain place and they're also the people that are most subjected to although i'm not sure that they know it but most subjected to a potential catastrophic event whether it be an earthquake whether it be a hurricane whether it be uh tornadoes typhoons tsunamis whatever else um interesting that throughout history the people that have collected in places that i think are the most desirable to live and to to breed and to you know go forth into life are also the people that are the most likely to get the old uh, hammer stroke right to the behind when things go south yeah the most beautiful places are also the most geologically unstable places and all this talking about breeding and hammer stroke and grindhouse man you you're, you're doing it for me, bud. <laughs> well, I think it's a hard reality. You look at it now. I mean, especially like a lot of the places in Europe now that are, I think, that are the most beautiful. You look at like the beaches of Monaco and things like that. Um, they're also the ones that are the most subjected to what I think ultimately are natural phenomenon, but people chalk up to a bunch of different things. But at the same time, it's... You know, it, it, the old golden rule, whoever has the gold makes the rules, right? And this is where we're going to be. This is where we're going to live. Um, the rest of you will live down the mountain and do me a favor and bring me up a pail of water every day because I'm going to need it. Um, but I don't think a lot of things are all that different today. So let's look at number two here on on the hit list is the Hittites. Hittites now are, they've always been struggling with internal strife. So the Santorini eruption is going to cause more problems because now you also have famine, you have crops not, you know, growing like they used to. Your people are going to start getting a little mad and they have a plague breakout. <laughs> and what's sad about the Hittite empire is it's so spread out at this point that communication is terrible. So their capital, Hattusha, is actually going through some civil strife, and they have a plague break out in the city, and it actually kills their king. And one of the great historical mysteries, I guess the first really good historical mystery we're going to bring up here in this story is a new enemy arises. Whether it was driven about because of a volcano and because of famine and stuff, but... A enemy called the Sea Peoples 
The fucking sea peoples. Oh my god. I was gonna bring up the sea peoples. Because there's a because there's a lot of contention as to who they were. Who they were, okay, was, where they came was, from. It was Kevin right. Costner, wasn't it? Yeah, so, Kevin Costner for sure. Like, I also like... wanted to ask, are the are the are the Kushites involved in this a lot? I'm a little I'm a little fuzzy. Are the Kushites involved in all this? So they're farther inland. Right. Um okay. Were they growing Kush? Is that where we get Kush from? I I hope so. That, <laughs> I'm just now putting that together. Hope, and I hope they're okay. <laughs> they smoked themselves but out of existence. There are there are some famous people that are uh, I guess associated with the Sea Peoples that we know for a fact were probably part of them. But this is what is fascinating. So this this group called the Sea Peoples. And historians hate using that term because they were a confederation of both sea and land peoples that were that kind of just bonded together and said, we're going to find a new place and we are willing to be violent to, to settle. So these existing empires that are already kind of like suffering because they're the, the biggest thing they have going for them is the fact that they have food and people want food. And now all of a sudden they have famine. And they don't have as much food as they used to. And now these people are coming in and they are militarily advanced and, like I said, willing to take what they want. But this is where history doesn't know exactly where they came from. We know one one of the tribes for sure, and that's the Philistines. That's the ancient, obviously, if you know your Bible history, that's the Israelites' ancient enemy, the Philistines. So they will come back again here. Uh, later in our story, but yeah, they came with that hood shit. Yeah, why, why did. did the why did the Brits use a philistine as a slur? Were were they like uh, were they known for something? Well, like I said, they were the ancient enemies of the Israelites uh, in the okay. Bible. If you look at you know Exodus and obviously Joshua, uh, any of the campaigns um, of the Israelites reconquering Canaan, the Philistines, Judges, obviously uh, another book that constantly references them they were kind of a notorious they were kind of like the the big bad okay of the you know early uh old testament kind of like reconquest of israel of canaan at the time um so they are we know for a fact that they are some of the sea peoples but the rest of them we don't really know where they came from but yeah i know they, there's a there's speculation to like all kind of places mm -hmm. they they think sardinia they think sicily even like they might have been proto. I've even I've even heard people saying like pro proto Germanic, um, yep. like all kind of shit. So well, they, that's that's a thing. Is it's crazy? They've done archaeology. Like well, they've done uh, genetic, like uh, research on actual Philistine. Like they know for a fact it's a Philistine skeleton and it has European descent. Mm -hmm. So the fact that they were in Canaan, in Israel, fighting the Israelites in. 13, you know, 1200 BC, 1100 BC. It's crazy to think they have European descent. So it's uh, just crazy to think that people back then fucking moved around that much. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Is it, is this, could this possibly be Viking predecessors? That's, that's one of the, that's one of the oh, theories that yeah, some of them may have been. Travis, yep. I think you're muted. I can't tell. I can't, when you speak, I can't hear anything. That's what I was gonna say. Is that oh. that I I was I was gonna say the same thing. Is like, is this a Viking prelude right oh, now? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like are we are we getting to Viking shit? Because, yeah, dude, like, 
and 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 I'll, I'll have some other things to throw in there later, but uh, this point in history where we we know the seafarers and they're they're coming over. Look, Seth is laughing. <laughs> He's dying. No, I was I was resting my chin. This plate is killing my back, and so I'm just using it as like a resting bridge. I love I love that you're dedicated to this this thing. I am. I'm not. Doing. I'm not. I'm not. I'm here for content. I'm not putting any of this up. This is awesome. Um, yeah. We, we so I'm sorry to derail. I yeah. Well, no, bad. it's all. It's always funny with the various societies and how. Um, and I think Clark said it when when things go to hell, right? Um, at first, you have people fighting over cities and gold and whatever else. And then you have people fighting over walls. And then eventually you have people fighting over farm fields because people have to eat, mm-hmm. right? Um, this this cycle is repeated through history. It's, it's repeated I, more times than I think we can even care to count. Um, back here in, in the Bronze Age and as the different groups um, learned to do what they could do with the metal and then and made better weapons and, and they had better armor and they better kind of everything, better tools, whatever else. The funny part about a lot of this is that, and again, Clark said this, people were so spread out and so disbanded that often you had people from neighboring places fighting each other and they just didn't know they were fighting each other. You know, and it's like when the battle was over and people would be like, oh, hey, there's Bob. I know Bob. <laughs> Shit, I bought my. Why are we fighting? And people are like, I don't know. Margaret, like, I'm look. sorry I wiped out your husband. Right, exactly. <laughs> right. exactly. Well, then Margaret, Margaret would become your wife. That's how it uh, looks. Like. Nice, Margaret. <laughs> yeah. I wiped out your husband. I do have a spare room. Yeah. <laughs> how would you like to shack up? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> sorry about that. It's the true, true. So, and that's the thing about the Sea Peoples also is they weren't just a military force. They weren't pirates. They weren't raiding. They brought women and children with them everywhere they landed. So they were trying to settle. Colonize. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were settling. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the what crazy. they were doing. Yep, they brought their they brought their whole their whole group, their whole philosophy, their whole um. Ed- lifestyle everything else with them and we're trying to find a new place for it um and there were places that it 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 definitely worked out well and places that it didn't work out so well but that was the constant siege thing and i think once you become a seafaring people and you are out and you're on the water um i think that it becomes your goal but i think it also changes the overall architecture of what you're doing um whereas I'm not coming to a land with a boat full of soldiers to take you over. I'm coming to your land with a boat full of everything I've ever seen, owned, and done in my life, and we're going to settle here. And I think it's a different kind of fight. Yep, very much so. Um, So we're going to go into why the Hittites fall now, the second empire that is going to drop here. So the Sea Peoples start landing in these places, and... One of the major cities of the Hittite Empire is a, uh, a city called Ugarit. And their governor, I, I guess you call him his royal governor, he doesn't have a title. He's not a prince. He's just kind of a royal governor. He's a direct, he, he directly responds to the king. He's the a governor. He's a governor. Hello, He's governor. a governor. So he, uh, he sends correspondence that we still have to this day we can actually see his correspondence that he sends to the king of cyprus and says the sea peoples have landed 
outside my city, what do I do? My hmm. navy is supposed to be returning, and the king won't respond to any of my like any of my messages. Well, little does he know at this point that Hattusha, the capital, is fucking obliterated. The Hittite capital has already fallen. <laughs> it's already been sacked. So he's not, he's not returning my calls. Yeah, he's not returning my <laughs> literally he's getting ghosted. He's getting left on he's getting left on uh red. Your boy your boy dead. <laughs> so, so he he, he sends out he sends out messages to the king of Cyprus saying, What do I do? They're here and my navy hasn't come back yet. The king was supposed to send my navy back, and the navy is coming back from a place called Walusha. This will be important also later. So the Navy never comes to help him. He's stuck there, and the King of Cyprus sends him back a message that says, if the sea people are there, you should probably hole up in your city. Just close the gates, fucking batten down the hatches. <laughs> it's not good. That's literally what he sends him back. We have this Damn. in Rome. <laughs> he sends another message back saying, do you have any word? Have you seen my Navy anywhere? Where is my Navy? <laughs> King of Cyprus sends another message back. By the time it gets to Ugarit, Ugarit has been sacked. It's done. Oh, shit. So this is how fast the sea people are. This is some Game of Thrones shit. Is, like, is, for real. Is, like, like, they are wiping everything out so quickly. Is this why <laughs> they go in in various places in the Middle East, deserts, and there's like small, what we would call small now. They find uh, like city uh, walls every now and then. They'll just find stuff in the middle of nowhere. Are these all these tiny nations? Because, I mean, compared to now, I, the pictures I've seen of some of these nations, they're relatively, it would be more like a town to us in terms of size. But they did have big fortified walls and stuff. But um, every now and then I'm watching, like, uh, YouTube videos of just random discoveries in the desert. And they're just all these, like, kind of city-state things with walls. Are, is that <laughs> some of the stuff we find? Yeah, that's pretty much like these empires are loose. Like I said, they are they are vassal states. Yeah. They are city states under one head that he's got the most men. It's it's, it's almost like feudal lords. If, yeah. if the best way to compare it to like you know England, like medieval stuff, is yeah. like you have feudal lords. You have one guy on top. He's got enough knights that he can actually kind of influence the rest of the area, and then those people kind of report to him, and it's like, oh, give me X amount of crops and stuff like that, and I'll protect you, and yada, yada, yada. And that's how your land grows. That's your territory. What's um, crazy, but, too, is that they find these kinds of things in America as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just saying, they find them. Oh, man, you've already, you already you opened the floodgates now. <laughs> I, I, I At some point, I want Clark to talk about the they do uh, find Tennessee them. icebox, it's called, I think it's called the icebox. Basically, when the Corps of Engineers were putting in all the dams way back when in the turn of early 90s, that uh, they found tons of like 12,000-year-old civilizations, foundations, yep. bones, pottery, yep. trading routes. They just yeah. found them, and it's a lot in the in the southeast. There's a ton of them, yeah. um, and yeah. but they, it was just lost to time. But that shit was here. Yeah, that's a whole nother topic. Ah, but the, yeah, the sorry. Biggest, <laughs> the biggest, uh, well, obviously, you know, on the Mississippi River, that was like the hub. That was yeah, they have a yeah. huge city that we know was like the conglomeration point. But neither here nor but, there. But back, back to the Middle East. <laughs> yeah, back to the Middle East. <laughs> so, well, I know. I, I know too. I've I've read that in the, in the Middle East and then in some of Northern Africa too. Um, 
what I've read is that the seafarers are a reason that people are unearthing old wooden boats in the middle of a desert. Oh, oh yeah. And it was and it was because the seafarers in in what we've been talking about brought everything with them, literally. Like these guys would drag a boat through the desert because yep. they figured they would hit water See, eventually. That at sounds some point. like that sounds like Viking Viking predecessors to me, like old predecessors. Well, a little there's... bit, a little bit, yeah. And if you live here in Minnesota, like you will live and die by your boat. So, like, I totally yeah. get it. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so one of the groups that actually they think was also part of the Sea People's Confederation were Libyans. So like Proto-Carthaginians. So they think Tunisia, Libyan, like that era, like you were saying, the northern desert, the people that just like lived and died by the boat, basically. Because, I mean, what was your option? To go to the interior? No. Yeah. You're going to die in the Sahara if you went anywhere else. So that's literally what you lived and died by. Uh, But also the Viking theory of maybe more northern people that were driven more south, there was another eruption that happened at this time, another volcano, and it's called Hecla Three. It, well, we, it's Hecla is the volcano, and it's in Iceland, but they call it the Hecla Three eruption because it was the third major eruption that we know of that happened at this time, and it's between the Santorini eruption and this same fall of civilizations that we see going on. So we know Santorini happens, and then Hecla happens right after. So we get kind of double hit with all this you know stuff like back to back and it probably had an effect on those populations also so you know were people able to go that far and get there and then travel over to you know the middle east it's possible it's not impossible we'll just say that um i'll take another ancient history uh thing here and say everybody knows hannibal barca you know hannibal he fought the romans right Mm -hmm. so Nobody talks about what happened to Hannibal after he lost to the Romans. Nobody ever actually asks what happened to him. Well, he actually became a mercenary general, was hired by a lot of people, and ended up in uh, modern-day Turkey fighting as a mercenary general. Like, he didn't just die when the Romans beat his army (laughs) and Carthage was burned. He actually used his services elsewhere and lived out the rest of his life in Eastern Europe. So, like, I think a a lot of people have done that over history, right? I mean... Yeah, I guess a lot of people are known for one thing, and then people forget that they lived out the rest of their lives. They did other stuff. (laughs) So I think that's the big thing there. But going back to the Middle East, so the Hittites now have lost their capital. Hattusha is done. Ugarit has now been sacked by the Sea Peoples. And there's a third major city in the Hittite Empire, uh, and it's called Wilusha. You guys have probably heard it by another name. It's called Troy. Hmm. Fuck yeah, boy. And at this exact same time in about 1300 BC, it falls and is burned. Uh, We all know the Greek mythology. We know the Battle of Troy. If you've not seen the Brad Pitt movie, (laughs) if you haven't read the Iliad. Love it. Love it. Love the (laughs) Iliad. Love that movie, too. Great movie. So, uh, Was it a 10-year siege? Maybe not. Was it a confederation of you know Greek city states? Were they the Sea People? That's another mystery. We just don't know, but we do know that Wilusha, Hattusha, and Ugarit were all defeated and raised to the ground at about the same time by a group of people known as the Sea People. And that's all we know as far as the historical record. 
I like I like when when it blends with the Hollywood shit too though because I'm like look yeah I love this Hollywood ass movie but there's real shit behind it all and when I try to deep dive again I get lost in my own shit that's why Grindhouse is telling y'all to shut me the fuck up but I get lost in my own shit so all this deep historical knowledge fucking fascinated by fascinated love it I love it to the nth degree then I'm sitting here wondering when does it start making sense like at what point no. we're still in we're still in the early bronze age so I'm 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 still here for it but like how how far back are we going to push this though because Clark I know I know you're a history of stu- a student of history rather um this has been your forte this is your thing when when people like Randall Carlson come along and fucking shake things up and fucking point out that like we're way older than we claim we are how does this how does all this narrative still fit into we're possibly older like maybe maybe I'm derailing too much and if I am shut me up like Grindhouse is agreeing with <laughs> but 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 you invited me here so here I am and here's my question all right well I mean I think how... that's a very valid question to ask in just relating to the story that you're presenting us Clark is how much uncertainty we have about history as we know it and how much are we willing to deep dive and really just dissect everything we know and the records that we have to really find the answer. So I think it's a very valid question. Well, I, th- I think it's insane at this point, and we're talking, like I said, between 1700 and 1300 BC. It's almost amazing that we are able to actually have enough documentation to even narrow it down this far that we know in this like tiny 400 year period that we know the biblical exodus, the Trojan War, and the Santorini, like the Minoan extinction, all happens at the same time, and it can't, it can't be not connected. It's funny that you that we have the governor's uh, text to the king that wasn't there, like we we that's this, that we essentially have his text messages that the king never responded to. That's yeah. crazy. Because like paper or those kinds of things are hard to come by that far back. Yeah. Yep. Well, and it's it... also it's also kind of amazing too when you think about people and you think about like our lifespans and going from generation to generation too. Uh, back then, people lived to be 40, 45 years old, right? So the space of four hundred years might be eight, nine, ten generations of people, whereas today it might be for maybe five generations of people and that the the history kept going i mean which is honestly kind of amazing but at the same time i mean and to to talk about travis's point about you know how old we might be and whatever else i mean we still every day if you pay attention on the news somewhere somebody finds uh, a treasure trove of coins or somebody finds a sword in a river or you know somebody finds you know, uh, a mastodon tusk sticking yeah. out of the permafrost. Yeah. I mean, uh, to to think that we even understand a sliver of our history right now, I think it's foolish. Um, yeah. And, but I also believe that short of scraping down the entire earth 
60 feet all the way around and just yeah. just going yeah. down i don't think we're ever actually going to know everything um but I, the, the writings that we have the the ancient things that we have i mean i think they do a fairly good job of at least painting the picture maybe we don't know all the details we don't know you know back in the mesopotamian area or era if you know tina fuck gustav we don't know but it, <laughs> in a in a more general sense there's a lot of things that we do know and it you know as a people i don't think now i don't think people put anywhere near enough thought into what our past was um and i'm thinking probably to clark's point as we go forward understanding it enough that we don't repeat history and basically oh, doom yeah. ourselves yeah, yeah. Mm. i do want to point out one thing too also talking about like we don't know how old we are we have way more unwritten history about humanity than we have written history you yep. got to think that we are evolutionarily like two hundred fifty thousand years old if you want to if, if you subscribe to that and yeah. are you, know, are you talking as, about modern human yeah like yeah. Hum, like homo sapien like what yeah. you think of as modern human and then and it have, keeps getting pushed back though it does yeah, yeah, yeah. Admit well, it does. Hey, they just they just doubled yeah. the uh they just doubled the age of the universe. Yeah, they did. You, yep. <laughs> they were like, whoops. Yeah, yeah. This yeah, is why like, oh, this this yeah. is why this is why I'm not a big ass fan of mainstream narrative type thing because I don't every time look guys, I and I'm sorry, and I know y'all doing the bronze age and I'm I'm not trying to fucking derail, but we love Bruh, bruh. Do it, do it, derail, go go for it. Well, Clark, me, Daddy. Clark is laser focused. We'll get back on yeah. track. Yeah, I'm sorry. Clark, I will shut the fuck up then. <laughs> no, 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 no. Say what you're going to say. Now you're good. No, if you're going to shut the fuck up, we need Grindhouse to tell you. <laughs> okay, well, I... Travis, this, shut the fuck up. This ain't his show, so fucking thank God. Um, I, I think that... We're learning slowly but surely based on the works of Randall Carlson and Graham Hancock, the mainstream guys, right? The mainstream guys that are the most mainstream on telling us that our history is much older than it than it we think it is. That, and I'm all here for the Bronze Age Bronze Age stuff. Like I I'm not a student of history. I'm a, I'm I'm a dumbass from fucking Louisiana. So trust me, I don't know nothing of what I'm saying. But from my personal looking at things and just my experience, I'm 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 on the I'm on the side of the fence that we're older than we think we are, and that we're more in tune with this planet or whatever realm we're inhabiting than we think we should be. I think we are being lied to about how close we are to this actual place where we're from. And I, I think we're being um, manipulated, honestly. I, I really do. I think we're being manipulated and controlled to a degree to not fucking actually know where we are, what we're on, what we're a part of, how special we are as human beings, how special we all are, all of us, and what we can tap into if we really want to. How okay, powerful. Well well, we I, really would say, if we really I would say if we want to. I would say to you, Travis. I would say to you, like I always do. I would say why, um, and don't answer now. Wait, but I would say why because I, right now I don't think there's anything to be gained from us being lied to. Um, I, I think we talked last time. You know, it, 
two reasons to keep a secret. Either you can't explain it or people can't get it. Um, when it comes to the quote-unquote ages of man, I mean, going from the Stone Age to the Bronze Age to the Iron Age. I mean, if you look at the Stone Age of man, the Stone Age of man is like three and a half million years in the making. Uh, the Bronze Age is about 2,500 years, and then the Iron Age is about equal to that, give or take. Um, but I, I think it also speaks to the evolution of man too, right? And how we... We only know what we know because somebody dug a hole in the ground and found something, right? So I think the definitions of what those ages are and what's what is constantly being redefined. So I don't I don't see that as an object lie. I think it's what's accepted at the moment. Um, I think I th I think there's scholarly people who have established careers, and I'm saying this based on what other people who are part of this beyond me are saying that I listen to on podcasts. So again, I'm a dumbass. I'm just regurgitating fucking information. People that study this kind of stuff independently like Clark does come out and say later that like when I when I tried to tackle academia, mainstream academia with my thoughts, me down so hard and fucking hated me and blah blah blah. I'm not saying Clark is saying that. I'm just saying, like, if independent researchers are fucking doing their thing and then they they tackle the Egyptologists that have been studying the pyramids for fucking 50 years and they're like, hey, man, can we finally see what's in the fucking grave that you claim this is a grave? And they're like, nah, bro, you can't. You kind of can't see what's in her. You kind of can't do it. It's private. Well, okay, yeah. And it's like, it's like, it's like we, we, we have this in multitudes, though. We have this over and over again, though, where, where there's people that are not letting things be explored. And we have outside independent researchers <clears throat> finding more bigger truths. And it becomes the mainstream narrative after a while. It takes a while, but eventually it, it's like it becomes part of the thing. And it's like, did everyone forget where we were 10 years ago? Because I didn't. Okay, I did not. Well, you might be you might be right. But I, but I using Egypt as an example, honestly, I think is flawed thinking only because when it comes to antiquities, antiquities, Egypt is a very private country. They they don't let information freely flow out. They 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 give it out in dribs and drabs as they see fit. Most other countries, um, uh, again, like say something saying like for me, bro, keep going. <laughs> something Zoss, like Zoss, 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 Zoss is an asshole. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah he's a fucking piece exactly, of shit. Exactly, exactly. So, but but well, I think then you're not saying it for me, then. No, but what you're I'm saying to you is that is it Egypt Egypt is a country that very closely controls the narrative. I, I think know. with with the rest of the world and the things that people continue to find. I'll go back to the example of, you know, like a 12-year-old girl finding a Scottish sword in a river, okay? I, I think most of us in the developed free countries honestly tend to be excited about these things, and I think that we tend to share these things because we're but so... They're, they're, well, hold on. We, we, but they're, we the, are, but, wait, but they wait, are not. wait. He's, okay. Look, look, look at so, him. well, sometimes you just Travis, shut the fuck up. Okay. Because I, I, I'm already onto you, cause. No, I'm I think no, I think a, a lot of a lot of countries, a lot of countries, honestly, want to <laughs> see these discoveries, and they want to see, you know, Richard the Third, for example, in, in Britain. 
that was a big deal. And I don't oh, think yeah, people yeah. covered that up. I think people were very forthcoming about that. Are so I think it the depends. The parking lot where they yes. found them? Okay, yes. Yeah. yeah. So I think I think depends on where you are. Depends on how forthcoming you are about those things. And so while I do agree with you that there, there probably are some things that we don't know and some things that are hidden and we're not told. Um, at the same time, I think here we are in 2023. I think people... People like me, for example, I think history is awesome. I want to learn as much as I can. I want to see the new things. I want to hear about the silver coins, and I want to hear about the the ships that are found in the middle of the desert. And I want to find. I want to hear about Scottish swords that are found in a river by a twelve year old girl who was out hiking with her family. I want to hear about those things because they're fucking fascinating, you know. And anyone that doesn't think history is fascinating is just not paying attention to life because it is most of it is so beautiful and. There are so many things to be learned and there are so many stories to be told, you know, but as far as we're older or younger or things are being hidden. Yeah, you're right. You know what? I being told every day, every yeah, day. Yeah, see, but that's my point, though. I don't necessarily subscribe to a lot of that, but True I think though. but I think that regionally, regionally, there probably is some truth to that. Yeah, yeah. I, um, uh, Travis, to your point and to Grindhouse's point, and, and then we'll go back to Clark. The, the whole thing is I do think there's some lying going around, but I think it's more pocketed. Like, I'm on both you guys' side. Like, I do think there's a bunch of weird stuff going on. I, I think that more to Grindhouse's uh, point, it's like, for instance, Egypt. Egypt has a lot of reasons to, like, shut the fuck up about certain things. They Like, for instance, if they found... Uh, like the Ark of the Covenant for for a particular reason, then then like that lays claim to like other nations like Israel, for instance, of saying, well, we have stake in this discovery or that discovery. But brother, so from the brother, top brother, down, brother, they've based, always done that kind of thing. I'm just saying from based, the U.S. Based on what you there, know, based on what you know, you know they're covering this up for a lot more than that. I think. Okay, well, I also think that for instance, like the whole Antarctic thing. I, I would I wouldn't put it pa I I do think it's segmented though I think that there are pockets <laughs> I think there are pockets you know what's going on bro I I think there you are know. crazy no no hold on I do think there are crazy things going on I think that there are pocketed uh vectors of wealth and uh, uh it, really specific interests that all right for instance maybe it would be beneficial everyone knows something weird is going on with Antarctica. Maybe it would be beneficial to say that there's an ice wall or this or that to get people that are curious minded to stick to that while they have, uh, while they're doing other stuff there. I don't know what those things are. I'm just saying maybe some things are psyops and some things aren't, but I do agree there are weird things, but I do think that the, all the conspiracy and pocketed stuff is, is just pocketed. Um, meanwhile, but, Clark, sorry, meanwhile Clark. Clark is like, yeah, I know. He's like, what the fuck are they talking about? <laughs> Way off topic. These fucking assholes. But not really. Kind of all Yeah, I'm, I'm done, Clark. Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah, I know, Clark. Sorry, I'm timing. Sorry, we're gonna do. We're gonna edit out dead air. Hold on one second. I gotta get back so I can see you guys. Oh, you good? There we go. Hey. <laughs> all right. So. uh so the Hittites are efficiently done now at this point. They've been cut out. So uh, now we're going to move to Egypt, and now we can actually get to some also weird shit. <laughs> so this will be fun for everyone, because now we're bringing the Bible into the mix. Will you say that it will be a thin weird? 
it'll be would you go as far as to say that i've been (laughs) been waiting for the bible bible conspiracies i want to hear this it's gonna be effing controversial so yeah okay even better to offend anyone here but this is what's happening in egypt while all this is going on we know the santorini eruption happened right so this is obviously a very geological unstable region and at this point by 1300 bc the egyptians have essentially lost control of the southern part of their empire to a people they call the hyksos oh is that the weird crown so this is no they they do a double crown thing and it's weird but that's not the split kingdom that's older than this this is yeah so we're actually we actually have crossed from the middle kingdom of egypt to the new kingdom era so this is kind of the last hurrah of egypt and that's why you know, this is the collapse of the Bronze Age. This is pretty much Egypt's this swan is, song. And is they, this when they tried to mimic all the fucking architecture and they couldn't actually comp- comprehend how the, the civilization before them built everything, so they were copying it and they were doing it really fucked up and not as good? They did stelae on the existing temples. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's, I know what you're talking you're about. Play, you're playing into my narrative. <laughs> I love you, Clark. Let's go. We're, we're we're a couple thousand years removed from uh the pyramids and probably a lot more thousand years removed from the Sphinx. But like that's like another po- post building. Post yeah. building. Okay. But the yeah. Sphinx is supposed to be way older now. Yeah, right? that's what I'm saying is we're supposed to be yeah, we're way way thousand years after. Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. We're not going to okay. like I said that's a whole another topic. <laughs> All right. My bad. My bad. <laughs> but um the old kingdom are the people who built the pyramids of Giza. And then you have the middle kingdom. And the middle kingdom is the ones that built like the Temple of Karnak and like all these like really famous the big statues and things like that. And um they actually the middle kingdom ends at about the time uh, of our story started, about 1700 BC. And so the new kingdom kind of starts then. So this is kind of the swan song for Egypt. They're, ne- they're never really going to recover. They're not going to get obliterated like the Hittites or the Minoans, but they are going to, they're never going to be what they were ever again after this. So the southern kingdom is now comprised of a group of people called the Hyksos. That's what the Egyptians call them. Hyksos are a Levantine and Semitic group, according to their own records. So we have to assume that is the Israelites. As we know, it's been 350 to 400 years since they came in. So this is the biblical exodus we are talking about right now. Hyksos actually are so powerful, they are kind of cohabiting Egypt. They they literally are... so. You know, the popular theory, and like I said, I'm not trying to offend anybody here, but they're, the popular theory is that the Jews were enslaved by the Egyptians. From Egyptian records, they say these people, the Hyksos, they're Levantine, Semitic, they, you know, worship the Israelite God is what they say. They are actually cohabiting with them, and now they want out because there's no more food the food is gone because of the Santorini explosion. They now have famine. And what is I this? I don't start- practice Santeria. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. But what is what is this starting to sound like to you? They want the out. Plagues. Yeah. So 
Seth, recently I told you to look up on Google Earth Lake Neos, right? Yeah. And I told you if you look at Google Earth right now, what does Lake, Lake Neos look like? Dry? No, it's it's red. Oh, oh. Um, I don't remember looking up Lake Neos. Oh. I'm, so, I'm so sorry. I'm just being honest. Yeah, in geologically, in geological, geologically unstable regions, what happens during a volcanic eruption is you have carbon dioxide that actually builds up under bodies of water and it taints it with a red color didn't that recently happen yeah that was 1986 when lake neos happened okay okay i i know there was i know there was a glacier that bled red recently i that's what i was referring to but i know what you're you're saying yeah um so if santorini erupted it is not impossible that the nile turned red and that would be the river turning to blood. Uh, all right. And what happens when the river turns to blood? The wildlife will run from that river. So you have frogs. You have fish dying. What happens when things die? You have flies. What happens when you upset the uh, agriculture because of famine? You have locusts. What about what about the firstborns? So an Egyptian an Egyptian culture firstborn had the the privilege quote privilege people actually lived in the upstairs they lived in the second floor the firstborn had the privilege to live on the first floor it was basically it's just what their thing was so when this carbon dioxide cloud Uh, like like neos happens this cloud of death literally when it bursts out and you have this carbon dioxide cloud that just covers the 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 area kills the livestock and it's going to kill everybody at ground level. So the first one is die. Whoa. That's dope. That's on the second floor. So it's like those pockets in uh, lakes where the CO2 yep. gets too concentrated and all the fish just suffocate. Yep. But but in, on, in dry land. Oh, that's crazy. And, and like I said, all of, you right now, all of you can go on Google Earth right now and look at like Neos in Cameroon. And it is red right now. I'm doing it. I saw an article, I want to say today or yesterday, about a massive, massing amount of fish dying and washing up uh, ashore, but I don't think the sea turned red, or the lake, or the body of water turned red. So, damn, I'm sweating a little bit, not gonna lie. <laughs> so, like I said, it's mm-hmm. not uh, it's not to shake anybody's faith or anything like that, or try to disprove anything, but it is yeah, very yeah. possible that the Santorini... Well, that- if anything, I think that makes it more makes someone's faith kind of more sense. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Yeah, same. because it's like the accounts were accurate. It's just explained behind dogma, you know. Yeah, well, yeah. All of all of like you can be a reductionist about pretty much anything, like any way anything works, miracle or not. You can reduce it to its baser elements. It doesn't mean that it's <laughs> not crazy. Right. Yeah. No. I, I. I like. I like what Clark is presenting here because it does give. I'm not religious, right? Like I'm. I'm you're a Muslim. I'm. <laughs> I'm going to adapt to one, but no. But for realness, I'm. I'm like agnostic, atheist. I don't know. I'm. 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 Open, but I'm. I'm like. I'm not open to. Uh, man-made religion dictating my life 
like type thing, but I'm open to people having their own religious perspective and when certain things line up like how things line up like this, this is more evidence to me of like how shit gets passed down through through the generations, whether you like it or not. It's like how close to home is this shit? Yeah. Like how it, it 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 happens more so than not. Um, and it's weird. It's weird that it happens more so than not. I'll admit, as a non-religious person, um, how how close things line up. But as far as a history, I mean, I I've only got the the I I guess the the Bible teachings to go off of, as far as I know, versus what I went through in school. Um, different, a whole different topic. But uh, well, but yeah. with the with the assumption that this follows the Bible, though, and the reality of the Bible not being a book written by one person, right? Ultimately, oh, the Bible. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Ultimately, oh, yeah, the Bible yeah. with its books, it was a compendium of different things. Over but it does, generations, also. Yeah, but yeah. it does. Yeah. It does. It does make sense that people would experience a particular thing. Call it a plague. Call it whatever you want. And, and document their history. And just because, and this is just me being the, I'm not quite an atheist, but more or less, um, a, a series of events that are unexplained, so they've got to be, you know, of a higher power, is not something that I necessarily subscribe to. Um, it's honestly for me just people not knowing any better. But then when it comes to the Bible, too, I mean, you've, you've got. A series of events but then you've got a history of people too and you take those series of events and you combine history of people you can pretty much turn it into anything you want i mean it was you know spielberg couldn't have written this better Insti yeah yeah right. institutional religions can absolutely prey upon all all what you just said uh like um if you uh, if if you want to, if you want, you like cosmic horror. I hear I, the grapevine <laughs> tells me you like guys like cosmic horror. Uh, read the apocrypha, specifically the Book of Enoch, the Book Enoch, of Enoch, yeah. baby. Oh yeah, man, we, we, we know, stuff is we know, book. baby. We book. already know, boy. <laughs> the stuff is not club. Council and I see his cutting room floor. Their edits, but right, we like the director's cut better. Right, yeah. <laughs> extended cut. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Gosh, we can go. We'll we will we will reserve an episode to do a deep dive into the Bible. I'm and, sorry. Oh I'm man, so sorry. Clark, please, please. That yeah. that would be amazing. Bronze Age, Bronze Age all day. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I fucking I feel well, like but, I might have done that. But to Clark's point though is that my point is not to it is not to uh, impugn anyone and not to say that anyone is wrong either in their beliefs or their faith or whatever else. I think to basically what, what what Clark is trying to get to is that there's a history behind a lot of these things. And admittedly, when you get back, you know, 50 years ago, we've got a pretty good history. 100 years ago, a pretty good history. You start getting to 500, 1,000, 1,200, and the history becomes spotty, right? You've got, you've got teachings, you've got writings, you've got hearsay, all these other different things. Um, but how much of it is really like in stone, you know, in stone. And, and I'm not talking like the two tablets stone, but like stone, you know, where, where it's, it's uh, unequivocal. It can't be argued. And the farther back that you get, 
I think the more arguments you can have. So I've got some stones for you that you what? won't be able to argue with, bro. You've only I got think... one. You've only got one stone, but I all won't argue takes. with it. It's all. I it won't takes. argue with it. <laughs> I think. I think also though something that's been kind of proven in this whole, uh, or no, I won't say proven. Nothing's proven, but something that we've said in this, uh, or, or the information I've given out. I don't know if anyone's actually realized yet is that means the, the biblical Exodus and the Iliad happened at the same time. They coincided, right? Our perception of history is so skewed because when we read the Bible and especially the Old Testament, we think, oh my God, this is so long ago. This is so well, forever ago. But no, the biblical Exodus and the Iliad are like congruent. They're there at the same but, time. But 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 wasn't but wasn't the story of Gilgamesh before even the fucking biblical yeah. one? Oh yeah. Like like yeah. So we go we yeah. go back even we go back even before that where we had human history being laid out with Inky and Inky Do, right? And and Gilgamesh and we had shit before we even had shit. And so now we're again, I'm a dumbass, bro. That's why I'm just I trying like, to fucking like chime I'm chiming in, but but I feel like I, I've heard this shit. I've heard this shit. We got the story of Enkidu and Inky, and and Gilgamesh is like Noah, right? It's the Noah flood. It's the same story. It's the same bib- biblical story that we've heard over and over again. But this is the older version. Yeah, that... all these stories are just told and retold and rebranded over since the beginning of time. Christ. Christ is another example of just it's just been told and told and told again with the 12 disciples and the fucking you're going to be born on earth and like it's I've seen this throughout my life and I'm like oh my lord man like what are we doing what are we doing with human history what are we really doing here and lately I've been getting into this fucking shit Ryan House is about to say shut him up (laughs) and y'all know what I'm saying so I'm going to shut up. Well, what I think is curious about and something like the Bronze Age, where you had so many groups that learned, I mean, in terms of history, right, that learned so much so fast. But then when we talk about the falls of the different groups, um, I think when it comes to the metalworking, I think the Hittites were, were super, super into that and the things that they learned to do. But what I think is, what I think is really I don't, I don't want to say funny because funny is not the right word. Interesting, like really introspectively interesting is that as these groups passed on um, and one fell, so one group came in, took over another group. Um, more often than not, one of these groups really had the had the um, the technology refined and they were they were making tools, they were making weapons, they were making armor, shields, whatever else. But then ultimately, the guy in your group that knew the most about your technology was also part of the hierarchy that fell in the siege. So when things kind of settled and the dust settled, the technology, while still there, sort of suffered a setback. Um, And you see that through a lot of... um, I know going up into Europe and then heading over into the islands, especially like when they got into Ireland, like Ireland was really late to the game when it came to the Bronze Age um, with their introduction of like the flat axe and things like that. Um, But there was so much happening that it was like the guy who was 
still in mainland Europe who knew how to make all these things probably was among the upper echelon. And when there was any kind of a, any kind of a strife, he ultimately got axed, but then like his page boy got drug along into the next place and he knew a little bit about it. And so they sort of had to start rebuilding again. Mm. And I think that's, I think that's really interesting amongst the history, how there was, there was this rise, 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 and then sort of fall and not fall down to the, the base level, but fall a little bit. And then how things had to keep kind of keep going and going. And especially with the, with the alloying of um, copper and tin, there was a lot of places that got to the game sort of late. Um, and I think it was because of a lot of these, a lot of these different societies falling that I like, cause I, I would kind of think now that like, if, if we come up with a new technology in this day and age that we have, I would like to think that, you know, outside of being a bloodthirsty corporate overlord, we, we tend to try to share technology. So everyone's kind of on the same playing field. And back then it was definitely not that way. Like if I could yeah. get a step up on you and come in later and smoke your ass, that's awesome. Hey y'all, I'm sorry to, to break this, but I have three kittens that just oh. came into my backyard and are playing with me right now. Oh. I have three, I have three kittens that are playing with me. Look y'all, look. That is so cute. I want a kitty. Hold on. You gotta take care of them. You can take my kiki. Show us the kitty. I'm trying. I don't know how. <laughs> That's <laughs> a nice fucking kitty, Rick. If there was ever going to be a distraction, three kittens would, is, I approve. That's, that's fair. Like that's fair. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I'm not going to argue with that. I'm not going to argue with three kittens. This is happening right now. These we're, we're going in here. go mode. If you can I'm have three, happy. if you can have three kittens on your lap and one of them will suckle from your teeth. I will just bow to you. <laughs> Come on, kittens. Where'd y'all go? Oh my god, they yeah. ran away. Oh. The kittens were alive. They ran away. <laughs> the kittens oh. were alive. I guess my. I'm sorry. The cake is a lie. The cake is a lie. Yes. The cake is a lie. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so I guess, Clark, my question is for you: Is it would you think that it's a fair assumption to believe that both the Iliad and the Book of Exodus, um, because I looked it up and it says that they were written pretty much around the same time as well, are exactly that? They're just different versions of the same story. Mm. Well, no, I think I mean they're separated by hundreds of miles, obviously. So I think it's two different. I think it's two different stories but they're also embellished it's the way mm -hmm. told other people at the time like all of a okay. lot of history at this time the problem with it and saying that history can't be trusted it's not right. that history can't be trusted it's that history is definitely written to make the the writer look good mm-hmm well, so it's always, so, it's always written like, by the victor. That's why. Right, well, but to bounce off of that, you know, could it be because of the distance? You know, you said it's 100 miles away to different places. But would it be, like, and this is just on, I guess, like, the basis of speculation, would it be also, like, kind of a little okay to safe to assume that maybe it was, like, a one of those instances of, you know, telephone where the story started out here and then 
making its way and rounds to different locations and then it's like this person heard it and the details changed and so when it was actually written mm -hmm. down you know it was describing the same event because there's so many different similarities between the two um you know you could say that uh what is it you know the lord would be apollo in the iliad correct um would that be a possibility again just on spec That's speculation cool. alone it's possible that stories made their way around but if these are so close like generationally i don't mm -hmm. feel like the greek mythos and the like uh the actual hebrew like torah meet until later on mm -hmm. that makes any oh. sense so yeah, i think that doesn't make sense i think the raising of troy Volusia, you know the hittite city maybe inspires later conquest of like joshua and things like mm -hmm. that like you know, maybe jericho battle of jericho and things like that right you know, you know i did an entire course on the um the actual battles of joshua as a military document and not as like a biblical story and mm -hmm. like conquest of canaan is actually very interesting if you look at it from that perspective and maybe some of those stories kind of lead into that because you can't ever really get away from the spiritual side of it right you know I mean? like there's there's never a story where you can say this battle was definitively won without having that involved in it um, right you can say you know subterfuge you can say sabotage you can say spy work and like it's it's brilliant how they actually conquered canaan but ultimately okay. people are going to say god had a hand in it uh, and sure. that's similar. That's similar with the Iliad. I, I don't think you're, you know, you're never gonna know what the actual document was. How was Troy raised to the ground? You know, was you know, it was never a ten-year siege. You know, Odysseus, the Trojan horse, all that stuff. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. the stuff that's just now, it's it's gonna always be ingrained in the in the zeitgeist kind of thing. <laughs> it's just right. part of it now. You know, it's always going to be a, something we talk about. The horns blowing outside of Jericho, the Trojan horse. They're now right. beacons. They're things that are just, we are so connected to as people. Like, we look at them as, like, you know, it, it might not be history, but we look at it as, uh, I guess, something greater than ourselves kind of thing. Like, we, we look right. at that, like, oh. that's the story. Do you have any information mm -hmm. on the uh, the Nephilim in, in Canaan? Or, or any kind of giants. I'm I'm such a sucker for giants. <laughs> uh, once, once again, you know my stance on this. It's I I I Have we legitimately about giants? Feel, yeah, but I legitimately feel it's just people that were freakishly big for their time. I told you uh, if I time. Oh yeah, the if I went back World War II. Right, yeah. yeah, I'm six one. Yeah. If I went back a hundred years, people would look at me and say you're a freak. So the land of milk and honey, like they were well nourished, big yeah, people. I mean, I mean, that's the same thing. Okay, so the movie Avatar. Yeah. All right, it's kind of a retelling of Pocahontas, right? We can all agree on that. It's kind absolutely of absolutely is. All right. So Native Americans, obviously, I'm a third Native American. My dad is Native American. Um, when Europeans came over, they met a people that had a high, like pretty much just a straight high protein diet. And they met people that were leaner and taller than them. Okay. So yeah. 
I mean, that is just what they ran into. So they saw Native Americans and are like, look at these people. They're tan, they're tall, they're lean. What's going on? So that's, I mean, Avatar. <laughs> look at the, you know. Yeah, you lean, lean tall weirdos. Tall weirdos. Right, right. That's, that's literally what they ran into. So they would, like, mark it on their map as some kind of crazy thing. Yeah. And then now, like, a YouTube channel will be like, look, the people had eyes in their chest. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, well, but but Beans makes a good point here, and I want to I want to circle back a little bit here, talking about the story and how the story is told and how these various places are taken over, sacked, defeated, whatever. And I like how you put that, Beans. You talked about a game of telephone, right? So the story is told, and the story is told, and the story is told. How how long does it take until the story is told to a person that has the capability of documenting the story? You know, because a, a lot. Of, I mean, if you go through a battle, right? You go through a battle, and you have a you have a castle, or you have a keep, or you have whatever, and people are getting murdered and slaughtered and whatever else. The odds are that the people that are going to survive that whole thing are probably not the most literate people. So they they know the story and they were there. But how long does it take before they can tell the story to somebody who has the capability of documenting the story? I think that's a very interesting question, and I, I I wonder, I wonder how big a part that plays in history and what we know of history and the and the quote unquote documented history. That and because we always hear that we always hear the the tagline that you know you know that the history is written by the victor. Okay, that's fair. That's a, that's a, definitely a fair thing. But a lot of times the victors were the soldiers with the shields and the swords and not maybe the most literate and uh, verbose people that you've ever met in your life. So maybe the stories are told and they're retold and they're retold. And by the time it gets to somebody who has the capability to document the story, maybe it's substantially different. So like their side's academics. Mm -hmm. I want to bring up a, a very fun cinematic version of this. Okay. Movie 300. Ah, yeah. I love... The theory, if you watch 300 through the lens of thinking it is the guy who is retelling the story of Thermopylae, yeah. it's all believable. That's not oh, how the man. Battle of Thermopylae went. And and obviously, they weren't all, like, ripped with all the abs, like, up to their chin, <laughs> stuff like that. And but, Beans is over there going, <laughs> yes. But no. Look what, why me? You know, uh, I, I and I can't remember the guy's name, but the one that is sent home, you know, he's the one that's oh, like, yeah, yeah, that with the eye. Yeah, he's like, go tell our story. And then at the end, he like, you know, it shows the Battle of Salamis as it's starting the land battle. Uh, but, you know, he sends him home and all that. And like, if you think about it, like he's telling the story, of course, it's all embellished. That's that. I mean, so it's yeah. not just a graphic novel. I don't like to look at 300. Mm -hmm just a graphic novel movie. I like to look at it as that is the picture he's painting in the minds of the people he's inspiring. Yeah. So he's telling the story saying like our brave 300 stood against, yeah. you know, yeah. the Persians. Right. And then he, he even makes the Persians look worse than they were. Like yeah. they weren't, you know, <laughs> like, uh, dude, you know, they weren't dude, that, that movie. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to stop because that, I can go on such a tangent on that. You and I had a very similar high school experience from our previous conversations. But so in that in mind, uh, as a senior, I snuck out to go see 300. It holds like a 
a very special place. But if they had known, I would have gotten expelled. It was it was awesome. I came back into class and I was like, yeah, what? I just saw 300. <laughs> but but 300, the second movie, too, is really good. Very rarely do I say a sequel is good, but Rise of an Empire, whatever it's called, it's so good. I yeah, I mean, I don't. I only don't like it because they make Themistocles look like a like one man army badass. Okay, but, all right. And I know Themistocles is the general, but and he wasn't. Anyway, we're not yeah. gonna go on yeah, that yeah, topic. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. You <laughs> yeah, just no, you no, brought seriously. up a great movie. Yeah, no, ser- seriously though, Clark, as our as our history expert here, how much of how much of of what is documented that we that we have to read to look at to decipher. How much of it do you think is, to what Bean said, was told or played by the telephone game? How much of it do you think is actually accurate or how much of it was embellished, you know, to say, we won the war, we slaughtered their 4,000 guys and we only had two dudes and one horse and a stick. You know, I mean, like how how much of it is actually accurate? Well, you mentioned earlier, the farther you back up, the worse it gets. Mm-hmm. That is absolutely true. The numbers are embellished. Everybody is more famous than they were. That's how they write it down. Uh, and and yes, I agree with the adage that the, the winners write history. There's only one exception I can think of in history where the winners do not write the history, and that's the American Civil War. <laughs> Definitely Jubal Early and the, the cult of Robert E. Lee. Definitely yeah. the South wrote the history of the Civil War. <laughs> so that is the one time in history I can think of where the losers wrote the war. My great, uh, great, grandpappy. Yeah. Definitely the losers wrote the history in that one. Um, but no, as you go back farther, it definitely is that. Like like I said, I even mentioned it in uh, you know, talking about this. The you know, Ramses the second said that he took hundred and twenty thousand Israelites prisoner after his conquest of Canaan. That is an absurd number. There is no way he took 120,000 people. Think about that number at this time and world populations. Yeah. It's inconceivable. Right. There is no possible way. <laughs> that would have been the entire population of that area. Like, so you're everything. saying like the way they wrote it was their battle oh, yeah. drum for their civilization. Yeah, even Alexander the Great in 336, you know, it, it, Battle of Gagamela, yeah. like he he claims that he fought against like a, I think he said the Persian army was like almost a million men, <laughs> and he had 300,000, I think, is what he actually had. It is, it is, and that's not even what he had like in the field. Like he had like 30,000 active men or something, and he fought an army of like a million. It's just the wow. impossible numbers. They're yeah. impossible. Well, that's the. That's the beautiful part, I think, of your topic about the Bronze Age, though, as as we go and we we dig into things, and, and and by say dig, I mean literally dig, and we and we find things, and we find these tools, and we can we can carbon date them, and we can say it's approximately you know this old. <clears throat> I still, and I said I mentioned this before, but like the first guy that said, "Hey, copper and tin would be good together." Right. Like I like like for me, I find that fascinating as an engineer, but the things that we dig up out of the ground, whether it be coins, a sword, an axe, a a boat, whatever else, I seem to me to be the most truthful artifacts of history because there's nothing written. It's just it's an artifact. It's 
it's chisel marks, it's hammer marks, it's forge marks, it's uh, the the, the flutes tangible. of it. Perfect, perfectly said. It's tangible. I can see it, I can feel it, I can hold it, I can look at it, and I can make some. I mean, and, and look, let's call a spade a spade here. You can make some assumptions about how mm -hmm. it was made, and maybe. But I think for the most part, we can tell when it was made. I think that's a fairly acceptable science at this point. Um, it's also location. It's composition in a location. And you can correct. date at a, we know a time and a place. And that <laughs> yes. 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 And I think that's like, but I often wonder is, is a lot of that, and this is going to be a slap in the face almost to what we're talking about. Are those kind of things almost a more accurate and more important telling of history than a lot of what we have quote unquote written? I would still say there are accurate documents. There, there's enough that we have that even with the embellishments, we at least know. A general so, idea. Yeah, so like even if you look at a stelae in like Egypt and it says, I took X amount of prisoners and here's your, you know, here's your like uh, on a temple where it's like, I've got this many prisoners and you see Ramses standing there and all this stuff. And it's, and he's bragging about, you know, it's, it's almost like the Ozymandias, you know, poem. like, what does he ultimately be? Just a statue in the sand. But he's talking, he's touting his greatness. But if you think about it, at least we know he is marking a battle. So we know those battle happened. And then that can lead us to the area and we can kind of go from there. There's, you know, there's always stuff that we can kind of figure out from there. Can um, you also cross-reference different texts and kind of get a yeah. better idea? Exactly. And that's that's mm. another reason that I love um, a lot of people will outright dismiss the Bible as a document. It's not. Right. The Bible is a historical document. It is a very important historical document. Right. And, can bounce that off of people like Josephus, like, you know, Roman historians, things like that. And we can find out a lot. Like, uh, my favorite parts of the Bible, this sounds crazy, and, and Seth and I have talked about this. Like I said, I grew up in, uh, I went to a Presbyterian school for my entire, uh, you know, kindergarten through 12th grade. Um, and I had, I had to learn Bible history. I had to learn apologetics, and I had to learn modern thought. Um, so, like, but I appreciate it because when I went to college and became a history major, I had actually looked at the books, Samuel, Chronicles, and Kings as a historical document and not a, you know, even Joshua Judges. Um, these are these are military historical documents. Like, they're important because we can bounce them off of Assyrian and Babylonian documents of the same battles. You know? Right. And... You can really narrow it down and figure out a lot about how these campaigns were actually fought. You take, you know, I, I hate to say you take God out of the equation, but yeah, you take God out of the equation for a second, and we find out a lot about the movement of these people and how, like, this was done. So, quick question on uh, leading up to the point we're at now, what was the actual bronze trade like? Like, what, like, were were they trading? Was it just something that one particular entity or uh, region developed, and then that they held that like almost like um, extremely valuable tech 
and they were like uh, not sharing or were they trading metals so yeah once they found out that you could smelt uh copper and tin and obviously you can make a lot of things out of it you can make bowls yeah. you can make things you know you can make common things out of it but armor and weapons that was a big technological jump obviously um and once you had places that had big deposits of copper or tin and things like that now you had international trade routes mm. so these places started to get the mm -hmm. early uh, you know, the early beginnings of like, okay, we can keep enough for ourselves. We also have agriculture. Like this is huge. Before this collapse, this is a time where the weather is beautiful. Everything is, like I said, working for all of these empires. Food is in surplus. Everyone is going to them. They're flocking to them because they need this. So you have food and you have now for the first time, you have people that you can actually internationally trade with and you have sea trade. I mean, it's it, the Bronze Age is pretty much defined by that. It's like the first time. I, so this is insane to think about. This is the invention of the wheel. <laughs> it's that stupid how old we're talking about. It's only 3300 BC when it starts, but this is the refinement of the wheel. Like the wheel has only been proto done at this point. So it's the refinement of the wheel because agriculture, domestication of animals, now everything has become in surplus. So they need to find better ways to actually move things. So the wheel becomes a better thing. Uh, chariots now, like I said, warfare starts to develop. Once you have the wheel, now you have better chariots, things like that. So, I mean, it, it's just an explosion. Like we can't think about it, but for them, it would have been the industrial age. Yeah, It would be like our 1800s that we look back at now and we're like, oh my God, everything explodes. And, you know, now you can... You know, think about warfare from the Civil War to World War One. I. I mean, look at that jump. It's just insane what we were able to do with that with the Industrial Age. Yeah. So here's like a question for you, and it's more of like understanding how you understand, like conceptualize, I guess, in your brain these points in time because when you say something like you know 330 bc or 550 bc or anything like that in my brain it's just it's just a number I, yeah. I can't yeah like i can't just picture that visualize it or put myself in that time frame like how long ago so as you're learning these materials and you're reading about these things like how does that work for you uh well i mean i generally love all history i mean obviously i have my like specifications that I'm very into, but um, I think you have to pick landmarks and then kind of conceptualize around it. So like, okay. like I just said, 3300 BC, we're refining the wheel. Um, right. If you think about that, like the landmark of the stone age and you have 200,000 years of stone age and we think what's the biggest thing they came up with fire. That's probably the biggest thing to come out of, you know, the stone age, it, that and the domestication right. of animals. That's the two biggest things we really come up with in the stone age. We figure out fire is good and we figure out that uh, we can domesticate animals and therefore we don't have to be nomads anymore. We can actually plant stuff and become agrarian. I always uh, love that word, nomad. Yeah. yeah. Nomad. I mean, it's like I said, I mean, it's a great thing to be and it's it's crazy to look at see and that's the thing about history is too is you gotta you gotta remember that this is not universal so look right. at the western, 
what the Western Hemisphere, Native Americans never invented the wheel. You know why? There are no animals to pull it, Native American, like in in the Western Hemisphere. There are no animals that. Yeah, there are no animals to pull. Nothing domestic. Nothing domesticated. Yep. Yeah. That makes sense. I never thought of that. Like, what what would you do with a wheel when you're trekking and moving from place to place in small kind of like small town kind of pop ups? Like, what would that would be pointless to have a wheel without a horse? And it's also why, like I said, in in the Western Hemisphere, all Native American cultures were matriarchal societies. Really? And they had no concept of land ownership because none of this is important. Right. Yeah. All this is all of this is old world constructs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and back then, if they wanted to move something from place to place, they just built a travoy and just dragged it. That's what they did. You know, it was very simple and that was very, very well understood. The concept of having something that was more efficient was not something that they ever thought about because they didn't need it, you know? Yeah. And then with... It wasn't like a need for them, for sure. No, absolutely not. And, you know, with with the Bronze Age and how... It's interesting that the Bronze Age incorporates, uh, you know, a period of time where you you either had the technology... I mean, and, and there are places in Europe where they have found, you know, copper mines that were dug to 70, 80 meters in depth. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's something pretty impressive. I mean, can you imagine yeah. digging right. to 80 meters down? Right. With just yeah. your with just your garage tools. Well, with your with your stone era tools, if you're right. lucky. You know? Right. Um, but then when they come to a point when they're actually starting to trade in these things, um, and, and Clark is right. There was a lot of civilizations that ended up having an abundance of things. So going into a new place and saying, hey, look, I have this. And, and they were fairly smart about it. They weren't trading weapons and things like that, but they were trading very utilitarian things. They were trading various tools and things like that, but they weren't giving away their shields and their armor, you know. But but that was a big piece of what extended extended the Bronze Age to different places. I mean, and I'll, I'll say again, Ireland is one of those where they – they got tools and things early on, but they did not have any concept of what could be done with it um, until they started to dig through the bogs and ended up finding their own stuff. And and again, that's where the, the, the good old-fashioned Irish flat axe came out. And that the Irish flat axe is a beautiful piece of history to me. Just a beautiful piece of history. I, I, yeah, this not is the not... second time you brought that up. I, I want to know more Like at some you're, point. You're a beautiful piece of history too, but... Oh. Well, thank you, Ricky. Well, the reality of Ireland is Ireland is covered in a lot of bogs, right? Yeah. And bogs bogs are very good at preserving things. Um, and so that's how they find a lot of these things. Um, including people. And, yeah, including those are entire crazy. people. Why, yes. why is their uh, skin like silvery black by the time they unearth them? It's so creepy. Oh, the bog mummies are so Yeah, the bog weird. mummies are insane. Well, I think at that point they're just stained because it is true, yeah. black yep. like under there. So uh, it's it's crazy. It's be some sort it... of mineral compound that like just dyed their skin. Yeah, well, it's it's the same reason a good scotch tastes good. It's the same reason. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> but what's crazy is if you look at like black and white photos of just like old dudes, uh, that the bog dude that's like 
was apparently hung before he was shoved into the bog. It just looks like a black and white photo of an old dude. It's it, it that is the creepiest kind of mummy. But all right, I'm done. <laughs> oh, before we get too off topic, I didn't want to um, avoid the question. So going back to, uh, I guess the original thing, like uh, what like before we went off on Western Hemisphere stuff, I didn't want to like what was the, what was the original question from who? Uh, from uh, from Beans. Oh. Oh, just like trying to figure out, I guess, like, so that I can get a better understanding as we're talking about these things. Like, how do you, in your brain, conceptualize, (laughs) like, these points, yeah. Um, So do you, because the only thing that I can think to do for myself is just kind of, like, do the whole cross-referencing thing of, like, another event that might have happened around the same time simultaneously. Um... And even that is a struggle, if I'm going to be honest. Yeah, I think, um, honestly, it's we're, we're blessed at this point that we have so much documentation that if there's something you're interested in, you can find a point and then start from there. And if you really oh. want to get, like, in-depth, like, you just have to kind of branch out from there. I mean, I have, I, like I said, I know it seems archaic at this point in 2023. I have so many books. It's ridiculous. No, I have, like, at least, I did... At one point in time, have like 800 books in my house, and then I lost a couple of boxes. So I don't know how many there are. So don't. It's not archaic. It's how it should be. Books are everything. I feel nothing replaces actual books for me personally. But um, I mean, there's just so many references these days. Like if if it's it's really just if you find something, somebody has already researched it. It's going to be really hard pressed to find anything. A new topic to research. Yeah, that, that you just stumble upon and you're like, oh, I'm the first one to actually come across this. So that's just how I feel about it. That's fair. Well, it's 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 time, right? Oh, hold on. And the passage of time and people documenting time. I mean, that's really kind of what it boils down to. I mean, if you if you go down to brass tacks, I think the oldest calendar is like 7,800 or something like that, maybe even 7,900 BC, the oldest calendar that anyone's ever like put into context, but true timekeeping and true passing of a, of an age or a year, um, I think dates to around 3000 BC. And I think it was Sumerians, as I recall, that were the first ones that were like, we should do that. And that's where our, our calendar months come from. It was the, it, Somebody added up how many days it took to get to the next obvious celestial event, and they said, okay, that's how many. Um, So I think that's how time has been ticked off ever since, and I think we all basically uh, believe that, you know, and that's just kind of what it is. Um, I think the the BC and the AD, um, I forget what AD stands for. It's like like Anno Domini. There we go. Um, and then BC is obviously before Christ, you know. So it's wait, what is AD? That... What is AD again? Anno Domini. It's Latin Anno Domini in the year of our Lord. Yes, oh. that. So that's the, I think the uh, collegiately, universally accepted. That's when, you know, that was year zero. That's what. That's where we started. You know, so it's a really good I, album. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but so I mean, to 
you know, to Bean's point, though, to, to contextualize some of these passages of time is, I think, for a lot of people difficult. I think for uh, the Western culture that we're in, the United States, I think we can probably go back fairly safely 300 to 400 years and pretty and pretty well capitalize all that and, and make most of it make sense. But then, yeah, and, and we said it before, the farther back you get, the more holes there are in it, right? And the harder it is to prove or to have written down or to say, yeah, this is where I was and this is my Uncle Bob here. My, my, or my great, great, great Uncle Bob was at the battle of whatever in 17 something it's just it it gets harder well it's it's so hard it is so hard for our brains to conceive also just going back 300 years uh the british accent honestly like the modern british accent did not exist 300 years ago wow that's a it's, it's literally called victorian accent for a reason because in the victorian era that's when people started changing their accent so well, well, you, well, you, I mean, if you just separate the land a little bit, it illustrates it really well. The Irish accent and the British accent eventually just became the Southern accent. Yeah, exactly. So that's what's funny is like if you watch the movie The Patriot and you hear all the British actors in that movie playing British soldiers and their accents, they would have actually sounded like Southern people, like modern Southern people. Yeah, there's actually an island um, off the Chesapeake in Virginia that is very isolated and they have what is considered the last um remnant of the british accent i you should totally look it up it's amazing yeah, have they record they've recorded it yeah they, they recorded it, it. Oh, oh, shit. it and, it's, and it's very weird because it's a southern kind of twangy like accent they're like oh man god oh my man, man. Oh, <laughs> that's what it sounds like <laughs> wait what did weird. you say it was again what island um, Look, um, I can't. It's all. It's off the Chesapeake. Just look up. Um, look up like last original British accent or something in Virginia. If you if you search that, you will find it. I promise. And it's this little okay. like, it's this little place in the Chesapeake, where they have been basically untouched, and they just uh they sound like what British people sounded like when Jamestown was basically founded. Wow. And it's, okay. That's okay. That what, you just blew me away. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what the British accent sounded like in the 17, like during the American Revolution. It did not sound anything like what British people sound like today. <laughs> we got to go back. And, Tangier and like... Island, NBA, I think is the name of the Tangier. island. Tangier, yeah, that's what's coming up. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if well, anyone can play that, well, if anyone can play that sound. It's, you want it's... me to play it? I'll oh, play yeah, it. I've kind of pulled up. It. Incredible to hear these people talk. It's crazy. Did we lose Travis? Where did he go? Yeah, he had to go. Yeah, he had to go. Okay, I peed and he was just—he was gone. Yeah, he got attacked by kittens. Uh, That is understandable. He's being kitty daddy or something. Yeah. Yeah. You guys hear that? Yeah, I can hear it. Are they singing? They are singing. Hold on. Trying to get them I'll, talking. I can hide him and you're tired of hiding. Yeah. I can't 
Dude, that is a that is a dead split between Southern and what I think of as British. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on, I gotta like listen to that again. What I'll do is I think Discord is. All of us that were born here on this island, we can say that our parents were born here, and our grandparents, great grandparents, great great grandparents, and right on down. What amazes me is that I can be most anywhere. I can be in the mall in Salisbury, Maryland, for example. And I can hear Tan Gilman talking in the crowd. And I can immediately tell, hey, they're, they're from home, you know. This is like now my favorite accent. Now they don't, they don't do that anymore. I think you get on top of the street. That's wild. It's in between like sophisticated and hick. <laughs> exactly. Well, if they're if they're on an island isolated, I think more than one of those gentlemen is probably married to his sister. Probably. Um, which is which is fine. I mean, but no. Uh, no. I have I have eight cats. Uh, biologically speaking, this does happen. Okay. So, that's what, those, those people right there, that is what pre-Victorian English people. Oh, that's that is so cool. wow. during, during wow. the American Revolution. Only 300 years ago, like in seven. Wow. You, you literally just shook me. I'm I'm a bit shook. What what I caused people during the Victorian era to change their accents? Well, the so the Victorian family they wanted to understand each other. They're well, also German, so uh, they renamed they renamed themselves the Windsors. They actually are the Sox uh, Sox Guthberg or Sox Sox Guth. Is what their actual name is so they are of german descent and they're so victoria's accent was different and okay. Okay. her english accent was different and everybody got the proper english accent so they started okay. start speaking from the front of the tongue instead of in the back of the mouth speaking from the front and they get a professional sound instead of, instead of speaking, speaking from the, the back of the tongue and being like this and like so this is what they sound like back then, oh. but they start they start speaking from the front of the tongue. Whoa! Speaking, There's a little bit of a, of a R roll in there too. At one point, they they had like kind of like an R roll. You know, interesting. You know, it's great in this era of AI. I can take all of those accents from that island and sample it, and we can have an advertisement for both our podcasts in legit British. We oh, yeah. be the only ones. Do it. That's amazing. Oh, man. Salvage so much of our history. Clark, you literally just blew my mind. I, I know so what I'm going to be doing tonight. I'm going to be Googling all about this island. This. I've never heard of this. This is amazing. That's what I'm here for. It's all I'm good for. <laughs> Mind blown. Well, yeah. Well, so, I would no, honestly like the whole time I've just been sitting here quiet because it's like I'm I'm if my teachers would have taught me history this way, I probably would have paid a lot more attention. Oh, well, for sure. I mean, that's, it's meant to be fun. So that's how yeah, but that's that's school for you. You know, I went to public school in Mamu. I know how it is. Well, and yeah, well, in Mamu, it was just like, here's a condom. These are the car keys. Don't ever put them together. That was because you could go out and get some ass. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Everything changed so much. Well, it's, it's crazy when you think about this era of time 
and you think about all of the things that people were learning. Um, and, but also how little they were learning, you know, going from the sack of one place to the sack of the next place to the sack of it. Like nobody was actually learning anything. Nobody was understanding how we have to form societies and we have to let people just do their own thing. And just because they're across the river does not mean that we have to kill them. You know, um, it, 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 it took so long for society as a whole. I mean, up until let's say the 1940s for people to really learn that that lesson so i mean there, there was so much that happened in between those two time periods but how have we but been, it, has that lesson been learned because i don't think that lesson's been learned <laughs> uh well i think it I hasn't think you have learned. such a beautiful like optimistic perspective when you when we're talking in general of things but like i don't know like that I don't is think literally really the heard. first time anyone's ever called me optimistic. So thank you for that. I appreciate <laughs> no, it. No, just um, listening to what you were there's saying. There's other earlier, words we like, could call them, but we'll go with optimistic because <laughs> it sounds nice. No, because it, 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 you've been so optimistic. Like earlier, your point was like, you know, so that we can learn and everything. Like, whereas in my perspective, how I see just people and history and humans in general is we're never going to learn. We're never going to evolve to a point where we do not have to worry about plagues and falls and rises of societies because in order for that to happen yeah. i think the only way that it could happen is if we behaved as kind of like one you know sentient being whereas individuality was lost and because we will always be individuals that's kind of like the well, curse but of in, being indiv human. Indiv individuality should always be celebrated but there's a reality Agreed. to that when you when you walk out your front door, your individuality no longer matters. You're part of a whole, okay? And that, but that is the thing that I think is killing society right now is that people put their individuality on their chest and they wear it out and they seem to want to defend it to the death, okay? Mm -hmm. And when, when that happens, we have the repeat of all of these things, you know? And I, like... I love my friends. I love my neighbors, whatever else. When somebody comes at me with something that it's like, how come you don't understand? It's like, well, it's because I don't understand, you know? So don't, don't hate me because I don't, why don't you just take a minute and stop and tell me, you know? Right. And that's what people are not doing. People are not bothering to stop and tell and mm -hmm. other people are not stopping to bother to understand. And that is what is driving as our society goes, and I, as Clark has been telling us, history has taught us this. When you go through this shit and you don't bother to stop and understand, we just keep driving the wedge further and further down. And it doesn't, it doesn't suit anybody because ultimately we have whole societies that fail because nobody stopped to bother to say, oh, these guys like cows? Well, we like sheep better. You know, it's like, like it, but that's the whole thing. It, it, and, and so we have these, we find these, ultimately super derivative and pointless things to like fight about. Um, mm -hmm. And in today's society, it has never been more prevalent that we find stupid fucking things to fight about. And it's like, I would just, I would rather come to your house and have a barbecue and sit and talk to you than I would fight with you because mm -hmm. I, I think we can gain more from that. But people, people, honestly, they're simple, they're stupid and they're fucking lazy. And it's easier to fight than it is to bother to take a second to understand your neighbor. 
For sure, for sure. But, you know, that's kind of, like, where I go back to, like, the whole, I guess, perspective of your we're always going to repeat history because that's something about human nature. That's not going to change, you know, like Mm -hmm. there's nothing you, I, or anybody else get can do to get all of us under the idea of like, Hey, let's not argue about dumb shit and differences and let's just work towards, you know, a cohesive, you know, functioning society. That's efficient. Mm -hmm. You know, that's just unfortunately not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. No one's ever going to stay convinced long enough to make anything really happen. Unfortunately, <laughs> that is... you know, unfortunately, because you also have greed, you have yeah, agendas, you have, you know, biases as well. Like, there's so many things that come into play that's just within innate of being human that's going to never allow that to happen. Yeah, but, but that is the real that... world is cosmic okay. horror. <laughs> yeah, but that is society's epic fail right now. For sure. society's colossal epic fail yeah. because we have never in history actually it's not societies it's it's our our species is yeah. human flaw <laughs> sure. I'll, I'll go with that i'll go with that but i'll say <laughs> this but i'll say this it's our never, fundamental failure i think you're right but I, I would also say this never in the history of time have we been more connected more able to reach out and talk to somebody and yet we don't fucking and do look it. how far away we are from each other and unconnected mm. we are. Yeah, we're driving That's my point. away yeah. you know, because we have yep. this. If it's, if it's not even worse. Yeah. You know? But no, I, I had a coworker. Um, this was a few years back, but I, I broke this poor girl's heart and I felt bad about it afterward because I didn't okay. like I didn't think about it. Like I, I said it and then afterward I was like, oh, I just shattered this poor girl's universe. She, she talked to me and she was just like, she was talking about, it was, I think it was around 4th of July, and she was talking about how great America was. She's like, America's, you know, the greatest country ever. And I was like, eh. I just kind of shrugged my shoulder. I'm like, eh. She goes, you don't believe that? And I said, well, I just, I don't believe that America's going to do something that no other civilization in history has ever done. And that's survive and go on. And she was like, what do you mean? And I was just like, Every civilization falls. It's like no, no one's ever made it that far. <laughs> I was like, no one's ever persisted. And she she just looked at me and she was just like so dejected. And I was like, oh man, I didn't mean to like break your heart about this, but yeah, America is gonna fall one day. You just sit on her so hard. <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, line of the empire. I, you know, I, I don't mean it's tomorrow, but well, that's bro. Look how right, just... but it's going to happen, and that's <laughs> yeah. just the eventuality. Yeah. Well, that's the, that's the saddest part of our of, of our country and all the freedoms that we have been allotted. Those freedoms have left us in a place that where we don't understand the price that that freedom comes at, and we all just do and say and whatever whatever the hell we want. We don't understand that we are part of a social, moral contract. That at the very at the very least, the very least, we have to get up every day, do our part, and be nice to each other. But that's the part that we've lost. Nobody cares. Grindhouse wants us to wear three-piece suits on an airplane, and when we go to the dollar store, so that's the. Well, first of all, I don't go to the dollar store, but on the airplane, yes, I think you're right. But it, but I mean, if if you look at things contextually, and and you look at how we go out in the world and how we present ourselves, um, people don't give a shit anymore. 
and oh, we're all in yoga pants and pajamas. Hell no, well, we don't give a shit. Well, but when you don't give a shit about yourself and how you project yourself to society, when you don't give a shit about how the person next to you perceives you, and you don't That's give a shit. That's the part I don't give a shit about. You, well, but my point is that when you don't give a shit and don't give a shit and don't give a shit and don't give a shit, that is what makes your society crumble. Reinhouse, I, uh, I and, and have already... That. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, sorry. I don't know if I'm lagging or not. I just lost oh, power. Long ahead. story. Um, but Grindhouse, I, uh, because of you and our talk a few days ago, I've uninstalled uh, TikTok. You're green. Before. <laughs> that green. is awesome. That is awesome. Well, oh, wait, I'm, I'm green. <laughs> what are you talking about, Clark? I'm, I'm green? Means you're good. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm confused. I have uh, no power in my entire neighborhood. I go outside and oh, it's black. This is great dead end. Oh, no. uh, quick question. I hate to you. Let's do this. I hate to, I hate to talk shop, Clark, but uh, are you recording on the road? Seth lost power, by the way. While we're doing dead time, I might as well tell you. Seth lost power. That's why he's. Can he not uh, hear me? Absent. I here. don't think he can hear you. Yeah, tell I, uh, tell I Clark for me. Yeah, tell Clark for me. This has happened before. He every now and then, whenever I disconnect, for some reason, Clark can't. Seth hear is me. talking there. <laughs> talking. He's yeah. talking to us right now. He's yeah he's saying that. Oh shit! You're not hearing him. It's the thing. Apparently, it happens yeah, every happens. now and then when he disconnects. I gotta leave. He's got like no power hear him. at all. Yeah, he's 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 hoping that you're recording, and he also said that you have a little dick. I'm not sure what that's about. <laughs> I don't know about the little dick thing, but I have not been recording. He's gonna be very upset with me. Oh, are you fucking kidding me, Clark? <laughs> he said, "Are you oh, fucking no. kidding me, Clark?" <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, here, Craig we'll is right. recording. Craig is recording, but okay. I don't. I, the problem is, is if anybody's internet is lagging, it's going to uh, it's going to be off sync. It's fine. Anyway, um, Grindhouse. Okay, tell him after I tell him after I say this, I'm going to shut up. Okay.